Before we get into this episode, a quick word from our sponsor. Now available on Oxen Records. Parasite Nurse. Life is beautiful. Slicing cut-up harsh noise diamond scalpel precision from New York. Perfected Grave Vault. Mutative Forecast. A collection of eight tracks originally released on cassette 2022 to 2023. Grand Rapids harsh noise duo Aaron Aspinwall and Charles Mama. Title still available. Dressing from the body to the door. Scum, unsustainable social condition, necessary downfall. Available at oxenrecords.bigcartel.com. Welcome back to Noise Extra. I am Mike. This is Tara. Hello. And today, Gray is very under the weather. So Tara and I are going to discuss this album first, and then I am going to talk with Gray on another day to discuss the album. We are going to piece it together. We're going to get him all healed up, and then when he is in a proper state to journey into darkness, to journey into introspection, to really take hold of this fall season of dwindling light and delve into Inanna Storm 1 through 3. Absolutely. As it is now October, our favorite month of the year, we are going to focus on the darkness, dark ambient, dark noise, and more culminating in our annual Atrax episode. And it was actually Gray's suggestion to kick off the month with Inanna, something that we have been excited to do as Tara was looking forward to researching Inanna, the goddess herself. And for today's extra segment on the Noise Extra Patreon, we will be discussing Inanna and the story of the goddess Inanna from the days of Sumer. Uruk. Absolutely. Look, I, I'm always, and, and it's not even... Uh, researching. It's just, you know, grabbing the book that sits next to me every day or grabbing a book off of our shelf because I love looking into the ancient world, thinking about the things that we share in common with people from 2000 years ago, people from 4,000 years ago. And the things that we don't have in common. And the things that we don't have in common with them. So, Or maybe the things that we look back to for inspiration Mm -hmm. to strive to have in common. Exactly. And I love, I will encourage all of you to check out uh, Sumerian literature, Babylonian poetry. It's really remarkable how much we share in common with the peoples, their thoughts, their concerns, their feelings. And it was absolutely a treat. And I will talk about Inanna at, at any time. Absolutely. And I'm sure some will be mixed in here in the regular episode, but to get the full look and story, you'll have to tune in to the Extra Noise Extra segment on the Patreon. Before we get into this album, a little recent listening, and really it's been a lot of Inanna gearing up for the episode, getting in the zone, but also a just released album that fit perfectly for the dark noise of the month is the final Richard Ramirez collab LP Ravine of Spears that just (sighs) came out on hospital. Fantastic 
album and really, really well crafted. Yeah, the way it came together is is quite remarkable yeah. because again, when you have two artists working together, you want to see how they come together and what yeah. common ground they find or in in what part of which aspect of which project is going to stand out the most. And this is such an interesting blend. Yes. And even the the sound is really, really unique. I, I, I think agree. they blend it together fantastically. Dark tones and mood that one would associate with final with Ramirez's noise crawling over, snaking over, and all mixing together to create spears stabbing. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a really, really remarkable new LP, great collaboration, and very fitting for the month of October, including the LP version of Lasuria. Poison Butterfly, oh, King Day, so After Autumn pretty. Day. Of course, oh, you know how we feel about it's very that. very attractive. We, we've talked about it. Yes, the cover looks incredible. And you know we've talked about that so much and how we feel about that album. So a couple new things to set the tone for the month of October. And but all in all, I would say that, Mike, you and I especially have, have really been in a zone that's not of this modern time recently. Absolutely. Certainly, Absolutely. you know, I think that everybody has those periods of time when they grow weary of the modern world, where they grow weary of looking at a screen, where they, you know, want some form of escape from, you know, maybe the society that we are in. And that is such a lovely time to look backwards. And I think maybe October is always when we're feeling that way. That's a good time. Like well, you want to bust out the all haunts BRs box. You want to think about a barren field. You want to cleanse your mind. You want to go to those dark spaces where you can escape the bright light of modern screens. I feel that absolutely very, very important to do. Obviously, we understand the contradiction of us saying that to you while you are most likely listening to this through that apparatus. <laughs> exactly. But there is ways to put it away. You can still be listening to it, throw it in the other room and forget about it. It's very, very important because if you really want to go back and absorb the world of Inanna and absorb the sounds that we are about to discuss. It has to be with the world closed out and a, a focus given to this album because we listened to this album a lot this week, but in so many ways, and I've listened to this, we, we own this, we've listened to this many times. Yeah. In many ways, I feel this listen right up for recording is the first time yeah, it's so fresh. I've ever heard this album. You know, it in what you just said, Mike, this is a release about contradictions. You know, the the human spirit, the striving for peace, but the the ferocious beast within all of us. So I do think that having those contradictions is one of the themes that that runs through here, uh, definitely. Absolutely. And Anana being the solo project of Michael Stavastrand, again, always apologies for pronunciation. Of, I think you said that. Hey, I think you said it that, well, properly. I will, I will take that. Yeah. So Thomas Peterson and Michael Stavastrand, Swedish group, uh, they were an 
Archon Satani. Of course, who we did an episode on, I believe it was last year, but we have, oh, we have done it. an episode yeah. on Fantastic, of course. And then Peterson went on to form Ordo Equilibrio Absolutely. and Michael went on to become Inanna. Absolutely. So great together and great separately. And this is, Inanna was very, very active in the early 90s. First tape, 1990, Odium, which we listened to, mm-hmm. really great. And really seemed to be in that state and continued to release a lot of stuff in the early 90s. And this is a CD on old Europa, an early CD for old Europa, of course. Old did, Europa did, CD too. Exactly. So, of course, plenty of tapes and vinyl before this and, and plenty of CDs after this. But this is a nice, oversized, packaged, screen-printed, fold-out, tri-fold, I guess. Or would it be a... a uh, uh, How many folds do we have here? <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. let's unfold and find... And four panels. So, four-panel yeah. fold. So tri-fold. Well, three the, folds, four panels. Hey, look, you know, uh, what you we don't do? need to get into the weeds there, but the with the CD j- uh, jacket uh, adhered to the final panel and writing laid over the artwork, writing in silver, it, ink. silver ink laid over as always the titles. And Taro did write it down so that it's a little easier for us to read. And we will relay exactly what it said because it has that great obscure look where it blends in a little bit and can be a bit hard to read, but I think that is certainly on purpose. It gives that obscurity and it gives that sense that you do need to pay attention Mm -hmm. and you need to give your attention to this album. You need to take time to look at the writing and you need to take the time to listen to this album because it's not something that can just be heard thrown on in the background. There's a lot of detail, but there is also an overall feel that if you do put it on the background, you it can almost act as one entire piece in a way. Because yeah. I feel that it is made that way, the album. Mm-hmm. But once you really focus and start getting into all the different aspects of each piece, you can really start to see the details and bringing out what the intent of this recording. Sure. This would be something you can throw on when you're, you're reading, but at the same time, the tension that builds, like I find my heart rate going up while I'm listening to it, you know? So again, I think that it, it would be fantastic if you're reading something that's, that's full of, tension, something that's full of turmoil. And I'm going to say those words many times. Uh, The packaging, when you check it out, when you hold it in your hands the first time, I remember the first time I held it in my hands and I was thinking, hey, somebody put a lot of work into this. Yeah, But it, it is that lovely, heavy, textured paper, clearly screen printed, but each fold is like, I don't, I don't even know, like that's some fantastic bone folding game uh, because they are absolute precision on each fold. They lay down perfectly. Everything is glued in place after low these many years. Like this was a lot of work for somebody and it feels like an artifact. And and I, yeah. and I find that a lot of Inanna releases feel that way. Like kind of like it's important. Like you're getting some through line of humanity, like you're getting some form of wisdom and maybe I just project that onto it, but I'm okay. I'm okay projecting that because I, I, 
I feel that it's worthy. Even the the silver letters, it, it's almost like a puzzle. Maybe it's designed for somebody like me who likes to enjoy the puzzle because some of the the words are split. And so you have to piece them together to find out, you know, what the words would mean once they're gone together. Some some are arranged vertically, some are arranged horizontally. It is like like a puzzle you're trying to unfold, but isn't that just what it's like inside of the human mind? Isn't that what it's like reflecting upon history? It's all ambiguous. It's all a puzzle. And I think this comes across that way. Talking about dreamlike albums, like I find that this also has that dreamlike quality where when you think that something is cement and you think that it's something that you can hold on to and you understand like where the drums are going, where the rhythm's going, what's going to happen, it's immediately pulled away from you. And when you think you can remember exactly what happened and pick it out, it all just kind of is obscured by a fog and falls away. So I think that, that this especially kind of encapsulates what it's like if, you know, inside of your mind, inside of a dream, it's like trying to explain a dream to somebody when you're discussing this. And I agree with you, Tara, the way the CD is presented, it's presented in a way that is meant to be taken as something special, something unique. It's not dreary and of the, the just molten nothingness. It is supposed to stand out and the, and the sounds are supposed to stand out and the way this makes you feel is supposed to be, it's of the individual, you know? And I also like that this is a limited edition of 999 copies. Of mm-hmm. course, limited in 1993 would be that, uh, you know, about a thousand copies, oh, right? Yeah. This is Man. copy number 508. Wow. So the way this album set up to me, and I'm speaking as someone who really doesn't know much about classical music. And, hmm. it, you know, I, I, I enjoy certain things, but I can't in any way say I could speak to it. In my estimation, this is set up in a way that maybe a classical oh, work made, would be set up. hadn't even occurred to me, like with movements, you think. The you way say. the movements are set up, but mm-hmm. also the way the actual sonic elements are set up mm-hmm. because there are these moments of quietness then and then a burst of cacophony, but then it comes back away and there, but it's not a certain, if you, you want the level you set the album at those quiet parts are purposefully as quiet as they need to be. Yeah. And then so you might turn it up and get ex- of the yeah. cacophony is where it needs to be. Again, I'm, I'm speaking completely out of, uh, uh, out I of see my what place. I see what you're. I see what you're saying. I think you're saying that that this is quite orchestral in its delivery. Yes. Even though it's not using a timpani, the the synthetic drum, the real drum, whatever's being hit, is acting as though it is that you know booming timpani and the synth strings and the just the, yes. the actual mixing well, of it. And, I guess and and most of the instruments and the sounds that come on here, whether they're they're real digital sampled. Are well, those be, be most likely more analog at this time? Yeah. Um. Whatever way they have come out of a machine, they are the sounds of of something that would be orchestral. Exactly. And when I mentioned mixing, and this was partially mixed by. CM Von Hauswolf, former guest of the podcast. So he was very much in this world of Swedish industrial dark ambient in that time mm-hmm. and everything mixed together at that time with CMI 
and the Swedish bands and stuff like CM Von Hauswolf all working together at that time. And the way this album starts, so there's four tracks on the CD, but it is listed on the notes as eight tracks. But really the way it plays, there's four indexes. The first index is the past and what shall come an intro, an overture, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then the three following tracks, Awakening, Silence, and Storm. But within those tracks, there are pieces that are that are separated. Again, it, it adds to that enigma. It adds to that, that experience that you have because this is titled Storm 1 through 3. However, there's four tracks. And then and really, you have- there's eight- and pieces. then the states are yeah. are labeled within there, which state one, state two, and all the way up to state four. But I I love that conflicting information yeah. because it doesn't. We don't need any teetotalers here. We don't need somebody um, nitpicking the amount of states and and the state of the storm. It just adds to that that feeling and the universality of this. So it immediately begins when you hit play with an explosion into the past and a look into the future, immediately you're bombarded with sound, but then that is taken away because you get these tense low strings that underpin until the bombast occurs again. Yeah. It's so charged. It's so suspenseful. The, the looping strings just, begin that building of tension, but then you hear those lovely resonant bells kind of ringing under it because there's enough space that you can experience a, a sonic echo Yes, in between. Like there's a lot going on. However, at the same time, you get small bits of silence that allow you to appreciate all the dynamism that's going on. The hits continue through this track without warning. They come in when you may think you're settled into a bed of low strings, ambient strings, and then the drums hit and go away. There is a quietness and a minimalist, but we know that minimalist and quietness will not last. And that is why we are looking into the storm. and. The track ends with one final hit until we get into the main chunk. Well, and that and that hit just summons the awakening. It absolutely it, it rouses something within, and we get this brewing, this stewing, this nearly seething undercurrent that's beginning. We're on the brink of a storm. It's absolutely cinematic. There's a a a building rage uh, within the awakening. And Tara, will you read what is written on this first panel for the Awakening track? In the ages, there has been this peace, this uncontrollable beast behind our curtains of not knowing. An excuse for not seeing, not knowing we try not to see, we try not to know, we try not to think. There is no peace and has never been. We are all of violent nature. We try to demand our feelings, but it will always come through. We are not what we are, all the beasts. So that really starts to set the tone for the rest of the album. And something that I 
took from that passage, that idea that there is no peace and has never been is something that may get lost sometimes these this strange idea that there could or has ever been some sort of idyllic world peace yeah it is something that i think is completely ridiculous and that this album highlights because you think you're at peace with when you get these these low quiet rumbles these tones there's a bit of a light that comes in over the tone, but that piece is not going to last very long because there's going to be a cacophony of string, horn, drums that is going to cut through and tap in to the true nature, the nature of violence, the nature of feelings and feeling <laughs> and the reality of that. The I always loved that quote, uh, m- monologue, soliloquy, ex- I, whatever that is, you would call it of Herzog's mm-hmm. in Burden of Dreams, where he talks about just the violence of the jungle. the jungle and and just that notion that the idea of living in harmony is just completely this fake idea that has never existed in any way in any element. It's and- idealizing nature, like and. and- yeah. You know, I, I appreciate that this speaks to so on so many levels, it speaks to the microcosm and it speaks to the macrocosm, yes. but it, and it speaks to that idea that, that Herzog was saying is that, you know, you're, you're idealizing nature and saying that it lives in harmony, but it is absolute violence. Like, have you, I mean, you can, you can find videos of things that you think are vegetarian, like deer eating, eating snakes. Yeah. Like that's one thing that's gone around, like animals that you think are like, peaceful vegetarians just chowing down on another one that just seems like the absolute most, you know, horrific scene. But in the end, who are we to say what, what nature is and what nature is not like you think that Bambi is nature, but Bambi's life was chocked full of violence as well. It's the, it's the self-centeredness of, humans to think that they could in any way have any idea about this thing that's much bigger than them. And the, this track really that drum smashing through you're set up for these subtle traces that once the drum comes and then leaves, there's these subtle traces that are left and you're trying to grasp them. You're trying to hold on to them. And all of a sudden, the cacophony mm-hmm. enters again. Yeah, it's it's that dreamlike state. And then again, awakening is broken down into state one and state two. And especially reading the words that accompany this track, but also for me, the term state wasn't like a, a city state. Correct. It was more of a, a state of a mind. mental state. Yeah. And, yeah, same. And so so truly it it's like thinking you're at peace, you're asleep. You wake up in the middle of the night and then that's when you know the yes. true nature of your mind. That's when the beast awakens. That's Absolutely. when the circus begins. And, you know, even in listening to this, I, I was just thinking of the the idea of this modern equipment having old sounds like um, the these anachronistic sounds that are coming through all, you know, in a modern age, all on tape 
digitally manipulated something has been has happened here. This is not through wood and string that it's being produced. And so thinking about that, thinking about these anachronistic sounds and it got me to this place where I'm like, ah, man, I remember being much younger and just trying to think like, what are feelings? Like, why do I have them? What could feelings be? And I remember having this conversation with another, another person and, and she was like, I don't know. I don't know what they are, but I think they're really important. And I was like, no, I, I feel the opposite. I feel like they're really unimportant. And so there's that push and pull of just, you know, being a person where it's, it's sometimes you're like, God, my feelings are really important. And then other times upon further reflection, you're like, Oh God, my feelings are really unimportant. Right. It's being in your head and, and thinking that it's the most important thing. Listening to this. I can't, we're discussing how it made us feel and the things that we think about it, but ultimately our experience is self-contained. Yeah. And that is like the ultimate frustration within us too, is that you're trying to make someone else understand like what your experience is, but ultimately can't it's self-contained it's within you. And at some point you have to become at peace with your self-contained phenomenal experience and do your best to be able to describe or discuss those things with other people. It's something that I do have problems with sometimes, especially when asked about my own work or something. I, I freeze <laughs> up, which is, I always say is that's the great uh, you know, irony of yeah. what we do here. And we demand other people do that. But when the tables are turned, I, I can get tongue tied sometimes. <laughs> but Tara, I want to go back to what you were saying about the idea that this music made with synthesizers, mm -hmm. made with drum machine. I find that to be, and it's something I've thought about a lot. Mm -hmm. I find that approach to be more effective personally than, than uh, adhering to the use of old instruments. Mm -hmm. I think that can be effective too, but for me, synthesizers evoke something that I don't feel other instruments can, even in a classical sense. The, a, a synthesizer piece can hit something inside that in a way that other music doesn't, that is made with, uh, quote unquote organic mm -hmm. uh, strings or 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 percussion. There's something about synthesized music that that operates on a different plane, and that plane is more effective in what I'm looking for. So this, to me, hits in a different and deeper and heavier way than say something that would be a giant orchestra for yeah. my own taste and what I'm looking for when I look for this sound. But when you're doing ambient sound, that, that makes total sense because with a real instrument, it's so hard to have something that's lengthy and drawn out and droning. Just like when I was trying to drone, when I first had you know, on the accordion and to get an effective accordion drone, that is not 
But even you, you can't even, have it fluid. But then when I switch to a digital accordion, yeah. I can drone on the digital yes. accordion, which to me is far more satisfying. And I feel that I can do more with it because it allows me to kind of transcend my, not just my physical ability, but the limitations of, of the instrument. Correct. And even with these, I feel that it, it's like a, it's like a captured experience, you know, when, when some, when photography was first introduced and some people are like this to this day, they don't want their picture taken because they think it steals a part right. of their soul. But even like these glimpses of these performances, it's like it's been captured and then brought back out in a different life. Absolutely. And then I also want to say as well that it doesn't have to just be synthesizer or analog or, mm -hmm. or synth music because someone like Lasuria will use oh, yeah. these dry ice will use these sounds that he collects, but it's still done in this way. That's not this, the, the, it's not the skill of someone playing an instrument is to me that it's not music theory. Thank you very yeah. much. It, it's still collecting these non synthesized sounds, but, but sculpting them into this, other world that doesn't have to do with, oh, this person is incredible at violin, mm -hmm. you know, that because because it, it takes that away and then only gets to the heart of what is trying to be expressed through the piece. Absolutely. Art, sound art. The we attempted and I believe we did a decent job. Maybe you even did a better job because of of separating the sub pieces within the tracks. I feel I did for this one. There is a state two. I felt had a different texture when this hit comes in and yeah. has this rolling string element mm -hmm. that I felt separated it from state one, but maybe I, yeah, also I think might we both be, thought it was about eight minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but again, just giving that focus, listen. But, and, and there is that element too of, of mystery again, and Anna does that. And when, when we are brought into the third track, the third piece silence, which begins with crying of the lambs, I immediately was thinking about the way Anana finds universals and plays to the individual simultaneously. It's, you know, macrocosm versus microcosm. It's that experience that you have within yourself uh, while you are experiencing this playing. And it's, and it's very tortured. Like the, the crying of the lambs is, you know, this discordant metallic swirling and just tension building. Like truly you're just becoming more and more tense. It's like the silent rage or that part where you're feeling something, but you can't really speak about it yet. It, you need, you're just brewing within you and you just can't, nothing can come out. Uh, this, and then when you see the word lamb, you think of a sacrifice. Yes. And those brooding strings that enter the room and fill the entire room while we are preparing and contemplating the storm ahead, the small tone that rings out and the strings on the on the wings that are flying up from the underworld 
all give that great tension that we are looking towards what will be the final storm. And Tara, will you read the writing that is on the panel for silence? The silence before the storm is always deep inside our bodies. Lay our thoughts lurking, waiting in silence, preparing for the battle. Tries to find out a reason, a reason for these feelings, these actions, these thoughts, but it will never find them. It will never find an answer. It is the answer. It very well may be the answer. And for me, that is the tension and that is the contemplation that is part of this track. Absolutely. The different set of strings begin to rise in the distance. And for me, that was the section, always this piece. They come from far away as we continue to prepare for the storm. If you want something ghastly, I would recommend always this piece. It has those, again, it fits right into the pocket of the fall season, exploring dark themes, but it it really just gets so atmospheric. It has a moment of like, this is where kind of a, to me, like the feel of human conversations in the distance occur. And even later on there's panting. Yes. And, and I don't know if that was through, you know, rubbing sandpaper or a wood block or some tape manipulation or some other manipulation. I don't know, but it has the feel of distant conversations for me. And there's a real human element. This is just absolute. You hear something going on very far away and then the turmoil bursts out its internal turmoil. The beast begins broiling within. And that's when the strings start giving these breathing sounds, like, like almost a panting. And that carries through for, for quite a while. Tara, I know what you mean in my mind. There were indecipherable voices in the far reaches of this recording, and they act as a, like you said, the thoughts deep inside that you're trying to grasp, but you can't quite grasp, you can't quite put into words. Mm -hmm. And the strings come in louder and louder and louder. The they start to get really overwhelming. And this part was maybe my favorite part of the whole album because they, they're they looping and they're getting really incredibly loud, almost to the point where you don't know if it can keep going, but you want to steady yourself because this is your preparation for the storm. So you need to be able to take how loud this is going to get. Yeah, the 16 minutes in, Mark, that was probably my favorite moment. I really love it. It's, it's the feeling of being chased. There's heavy breathing and it's, it's just absolutely evocative. And Inanna does that thing that is so cinematic at times. Like you feel that you're listening to a soundtrack to a film that doesn't exist. You know, like if you put this in your headphones and walked around, you would have a, a really, uh, unique experience. Yes. I, I would be, it would invoke paranoia in me. If I yes. was listening to this walking around, I would think that somebody was coming after me. I would think that somebody was going to run up behind me. Uh, all, all of those moments of, of tension and paranoia are present in this. And the, we have always this piece, or oh, sorry, the first is crying of the lambs, then always this piece state three and metamorphose. And 
I was wondering if metamorphose isn't a reference to Ovid and even using the of later, which is OV um, and, and Ovid, of course, with metamorphosis, just an absolute banger of uh, literature. And it is so epic, but I do love the epilogue of metamorphosis, which made me think of this. Uh, and, and Ovid writes, now stands my task accomplished, such a work as not the wrath of Jove, nor fire, nor, nor sword, nor the devouring ages can destroy. And isn't that what you want to feel uh, upon completion? It's just something that exists within us all and can't be destroyed. Absolutely. And I love these steady imposing drums, the hits that give way to choral synth and this austere feel that rounds out this track. The metamorphose part has this great, just pure, austere drum beat that you are ready for the storm that is going to finish out the album. And you even get those those phantasms sonically that feel like the drums are speaking, you know, like there are parts that probably are choral, but even in the final loop of this, it might just be strings, but it has the feel of those strings trying to speak to you. There was a part I meant to point out. I believe it is in track two. Yes. In the awakening where every time the cacophony comes back, something is missing from it and Mm -hmm. it keeps getting taken away. And in this section, I felt something kept getting added to it, or maybe I was putting that on there because I was getting invigorated and ready to enter the storm, the final piece of this album. Two sections in this track, Bleeding, Cause of Our Guilt, and State 4. And here we go. There's a harpsichordish sound with choral vocals ready for us to remain steadfast until the stomping and marching leads us directly into the eye. Yeah, this is a battle song. There's a march to the fray. There's heraldic trumpets that happen. It feels that a melody is being sung. Tension is rising and... It has that feel and that confusion of a dream at the same time, because you think you can understand what somebody's saying and you think that you can't understand what someone's saying. And, and Mike, you know how I feel about ancient battles. Absolutely. I get really excited about How can one not get incredibly excited thinking about the past, the heroes, the heroic deeds done in this time. Well, I think about the what it feels like to engage in face-to-face combat because it's not done in the same way. To Correct. be in a group of people when you have equipment, you have your weapons, you don't know if they will match the weaponry of the others. You know that you are marching forth to go engage in a fight in violence and the songs that were sung to 
bring that bravery up to to make us steadfast, to make these ancient armies feel bold, to feel that the gods were on their side, to feel that they were with a powerful group of people and they wouldn't run away. Like you could just, you can't, you know, they weren't looking up their geotag on their phone. You can just go. You know, you can disappear. There's plenty of places to disappear into. And to think about what it took to go into battle in that way is just staggering for me. Absolutely. The true bravery, true heroism, stuff that is lost in these times, stuff that we look back to for inspiration of how to live. And I really don't want to go marching into battle. I don't want to do that. And I'm, and I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm not a soldier and that I'm not engaging in that. However, it really is, is staggering. And I'm in awe of what people did for millennia in terms of the bold nature of their heart. Well, Tara, we are in a battle. We are in a war. It just has taken on a different form. And, and that form is state four. Absolutely. State four is amazing. It's the capstone of this album. And oh boy, it is the drums take on a nature of their own. The drums go from a marching drum to more machine like, machine gun like. You think of um, those marching snares. It's that great militaristic, militant drum sound. Absolutely. And it becomes this frenzy. And this final track reminded me of a ghast that just sure. swirling, swirling chaos that happens. And then all of that drops out and you get this tone. And it just, you know, like a so great. A, a tone of a, a dead phone line or it's not beeping. It's just one tone. It's singing in the void. And then the frenzy comes back. And I really love the final frenzy because I it has this feminine nature to it. It has this, it, to me, it was like a woman's voice. And I really enjoyed, I get, maybe that's why I was thinking aghast and, and just the, the, the Valkyries coming in and, and driving and propelling the hearts forward. And I truly felt that the beast was among us at the end of this track. I did as well. Tara, let's end out our section with you reading the writing for this final panel in the package. Strange voices, thunder, agony, fear, darken beyond darkness, beyond the mind. You see a vision of dark red, black, people screaming, no vision, false, it's all true. The mind of mankind tells what are and what are not. There is no, not the storm in our minds, our hearts, and our reality. It has and will always be the beast among us. And we are here with Gray. Well, I am here with Gray. The time travel happened in the blink of an eye. Tara has been replaced with Gray. Sorry about that. Exactly. Well, on the second half of this episode, wanted to talk to you, Gray, since you were unable to make the first recording. And it was your idea to kick off October with Inanna. So glad you are able to do this. Hell yeah. Love Inanna. Uh, one of a good handful of releases of his I have. And, you know, you sent me a picture of 
your copy of this CD when we were discussing doing it. And I don't know why, not that it would surprise me that you have it now, but I, it was one I, how long have you had, when did you get this CD? Definitely in modern times. Okay, so okay. certainly not when you would have gotten it, okay. but in the past handful of years or so. Okay. And definitely something that we got into through the name, especially for Tara, as you will hear on the extra segment, Tara discusses heavily the actual Anana. So that's what drew us to it, as well as the connections to Archon Satani and that stuff. But yes, that as certainly has been documented on the podcast, we have come to this zone of the underground in more modern times, not in the early 2000s or the late 90s when you certainly would have been into it. It's funny because we've talked about standard issue noise releases before certain things that seemed like we all had at a time. And this was one of those, I would say, if you were into dark ambient cold meat stuff back then is like, I feel like everyone I knew had a copy of this CD. And so that's why I was surprised. No, around when when Clay Rendering started, we dove a lot deeper into more of the dark ambient or the colder side of things. And so started getting more into that stuff around that time, early 2010s, mid 2010s. I would say this. Calling it dark ambient doesn't really hit either does right it? right right this, right it's yeah we we I, we did refer to it probably as dark ambient over here in the first half it's been a couple days but in a way i said this plays more like some sort of strange classical record yeah i mean my initial notes it reminds me of gustav holst's the planets in a way especially the first piece the past and what shall come makes me think of something like Morton Feldman with the simple repeating string motif. And then there's those orchestral stabs that come in and the whole thing definitely plays more classical martial industrial. There are dark ambient parts. There's some ritual parts. There's some more percussive parts. A lot of, it reminded me of a lot of other projects, but not in any way that they would have done this which is a cool thing is it's definitely this vision and not someone else's idea of it you know there's it's not copying any contemporaries of when it came out instead being its own thing and carving a different path within that same type of material so yeah i mean you've already talked about this i haven't heard the stuff that you guys talked about right right it's going to uh, be surprised. Yeah. So I have, our listeners probably already know four tracks broken up into smaller movements. I actually dragged those things into a computer to see where I thought the movements split. Right. Right. And I mean, we, we, we took a educated guess on certain parts. Some feel more obvious than others. Definitely. But I like your style there that you might have an accurate representation. Yeah, I didn't make any notes on times or anything of that. I just kind of wanted to know when I felt like things were changing. And yeah, that the first piece, uh, like I said, reminding me of the planets, maybe the 
first part of Awakening State One is that low drone with these commanding. I wrote martial strings and sparse drum. I don't know why, but it felt very warlike. And there's also little bits of choir in there. I think we find that throughout the album. There's a good few bits of choir. It's all very dark. It also reminds of some of the world serpent stuff coming out in the mid nineties. I mean, uh, obviously Der Blutarsch, Moon Lay Hidden were, were a point of reference for me. Although this is well before Der Blutarsch or Moon Lay Hidden would, would exist. Aller Seelen, uh Cadman's thing also, especially, uh, Bleeding, Cause of Our Guilt, uh, beginning of the fourth track, very Aller Sealand feel with the different pitched samples on it. Awakening is a piece where we have State 1 and State 2 as the movements, and they flow into each other, it feels, where State 1 rolls into State 2, and it just gets bigger, a little brassier, more heraldic, maybe. There's a part with some chimes in the middle, and it felt like that was around what I would call the break in the tracks. And sets the sets the stage, I think, for what's going to come, which is the excellent third piece, which has four movements in it, the most in a piece, also the longest piece at 21 minutes. Do you have a gauge or an idea of what is being used? That is certainly something that Tara and I didn't really discuss because we had no idea, but would you have an idea possibly equipment wise of what is being used on this album? Probably something like an Ensonic sampling keyboard, something pretty simple. He's taking samples or using preset sounds on it to create these things. That's what it sounds like to me. It could be, sampling some older records. In fact, there's parts that reminded me of uh, in this piece, actually the third part metamorphose that is a little more reminiscent of coils, orchestral and Fairlight stuff where like anal staircase and regalia, you had the kind of string stuff that, that rights of right. Uh, last rites of spring where they play rights of string backwards. Like those sort of sounds are in this yeah. too. And they're a little harsher and cruder than you would expect from a sample maybe maybe it was lower sample rate maybe it was the fact they're sampled off of records or something but this could be a late 80s early 90s rompler synth like the roland jv series something like that or it could be a sampling keyboard where a bunch of this stuff was loaded into it and take taken from existing records it's hard to tell i don't know that there was any actual instrumentation as such Right, it it felt certainly synthesized, and and even this album sounds and feels different than other Anana. It does, it really does. Yeah, I, the the two that I think of often, I think Day of Torment and Order of Fecundity, are two kind of classic Anana records in my mind. And this is not that. This is a yeah. its own thing. And I think about this record sometimes. The title's so simple, Storm 1 through 3, but we have so four tracks and we have multiple movements on here, which is also a funny thing. There's actually nothing in threes here, right? It's either a single piece, two movements within a piece, four movements within a piece, but there's actually no, no three, and there's a state four, so it doesn't end with uh, that either, right? It's very strange title to think about. Also... Quick note before I get into before I get into silence, the third track on this album, the packaging. I love this. Oh, packaging. yeah, yeah, it's cool. 
Uh, I'm sure you guys probably talked about it, but this like a five folder, but it folds out to four panels per side. And then the CD is actually in a piece, a card wallet. The CD is actually in a card wallet, which has been glued and the glue is discolored or taped the, the backside of the insert on mine. I've had it for, for long enough. And the just there's a brown splotch where it's affixed on the other side, but there's, you don't get it. You don't really get it from the outside. All you get is silver numbering on the back, but there's silver printing all on the inside. Yeah, it's great. And Tara actually transcribed all of it to make it easier. to. That's read. wild. We, we read all of the. Oh, excellent. Right. I, I don't have to. I transcribed it, too, but I, I just won't bother reading. it. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the crying of the lambs silence, the crying of the lambs. That seems like uh, combine those somewhere. I don't there know. you go. And tense weeping strings, quiet but full of layers. It reminded me of uh, maybe this is uh, one of those strange things. Uh, Kronos Quartet did that Black Angels album. I think I've referred to this before. There's a couple of those weeping, sad, very melancholic pieces like Serenity uh, for the Victims of, Hiro- of Hiroshima, stuff like that. That this took me to not quite the same place, but that those sad but tense strings. This first section of this is quiet, but full of layers. And then we get to the dark ritual piece. That is what I read. Lots of silence. And that's one of the things that I think plays in this record really heavily. I don't think this record would be made this way. These days, there are tracks that are very quiet and tracks that get really bombastic and a heavy use of silence and, a lot of people just don't have that restraint for the dynamic range that this entire CD has. There is so much playing with volume and pace and space on it. And that's really impressive. And always this piece, the dark ritual piece, there's an invocation and some reverb and it builds to these big string layers sliding against and across each other in and out of tune. It felt like like they're, they're not matching up on their tuning and they're in this constant motion, this writhing pile of of strings, stringed instruments. I really dug this one. This is such a cool section of it. Before moving on to state three, which is the sparse percussive piece, really punctuating percussion with some chant, some bell or metal sounds and drums. And there's like trilling strings and maybe a metallic scraping droning in the back. If you've ever like rubbed a symbol with a rock then you've heard what's in the background of this track we felt there were some weird distant voices in this track as well in state three or in always this piece well to be fair we didn't we weren't having an exact uh dissection of the of the sections okay yeah. so we might be wrong about which section but in this whole track we felt there was a point where there was some strange indecipherable voices yeah yeah well i think Definitely always this piece, there is some sort of invocation, some sort of reading, speaking going on. And in the fourth movement of this metamorphose, the cyclic and machine-like rhythm, the tense strings, drums and choir for punctuation again. This reminded me of MZ412 with the more machined rhythm. And this is the one that I said was reminiscent of of the coil stuff also. Oh, yeah, for sure. Gave me that atmosphere. Really love this. I mean, already, I think 
Silence, the third track, has to be my favorite overall piece on here. Although that's tricky because what follows is Storm, the closing piece of this record. And Bleeding, Cause of Our Guilt, takes us back to the piece I was talking about a minute ago, State 3, but far busier. This one felt more like Aller Seal Energy Booth Arch. This is the one where I was catching those feels. Pitched samples, the composition slightly melodic with the samples kind of playing at least a two note, three note motif. And then it goes into state four, which has some actual drums to start. And it is just a cacophony of witches with this punchy loop metal scraping, ripping. And then it would have these weird pauses with a vibrating tone and little hints of metallic noise under it. And then go back into this total cacophony. And this, track storm is also just is also excellent and tied for favorite three and four this album builds really nicely and keep getting sucked deeper and deeper into it but again the past and what shall come i love morton feldman stuff so that piece also and i i love holst the planets i mean it's great (laughs) all great stuff for it to remind me of i felt that and we discussed this, that having heard this album a lot in our time, in our time of having it, this listen, giving it such a focused listen is really beneficial because you can get lost in it if you just have it on in the background. It can Absolutely. But, but when you really sit and break down the sections and the pieces – it's really rewarding, and I have to suggest anyone listening to this for the first time or for the 20th time or whatever, however many times, giving it that focus listen is very rewarding. I only wish the weather were crappier out, actually. It's well, like it a was too for nice us today. the okay. day that we did. <laughs> it was pretty gray out, yeah, so it worked yeah, really true. well. Yeah, it worked well. Yeah, this one is definitely a rainy day throw on. And it is good to put on as a background record in those days. If you're bumming around the house on a gray, dreary day, you don't have to sit and pay attention to it. It will just enhance the mood sure. in your sure. home. And that's really, I've had this on as background probably you know more often than I have sat and dedicatedly listened to it. And I really enjoy it both ways, but yes, picking it apart and seeing some of the, the mastery in it. Like I said, the restraint, the use of silence and space, not being afraid to play with the dynamic range, the volume where things you, especially you can hear it. But then when I started looking at these pieces, you know, looking at the waveforms, like, wow, there's really stretching it out and, and letting the pieces be what they need. And not trying to just make it a loud album, but making it a very enveloping album. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's really it's it's a great one. I'm glad you suggested it for the month of October. And it is one, as we stated, it's one that we wanted to get to, but Tara certainly wanted to make sure to do re- proper research, which we'll be following here shortly and really filling out the entire look at this this project and yeah like we said there's you know it, 
very active for a relatively brief period of time, but a lot, you know, a good chunk of stuff in that time and full length albums, right? Yeah. CDs, even the first tape Odium is 60 minutes. And that's really, that's a really good one and very different, very much more lo-fi tape feel to it than something like this. Yeah, I have a strange cassette that I got actually from Eldon and I think it was sent to him as a demo or something years ago, years ago. And it's, I'm not even sure what's on it or where it's from. It's like, it doesn't look like or line up with a lot of the stuff. I think it was a promo collection of here's some different stuff to maybe introduce you to Anana. I had to dig it out. I'm actually curious to look at it again and try to line up the track list and stuff. But I remember when I got it, I was like, I don't know what this is. It's not one of those like private things, but it has a cover. It looks official, but it doesn't, it's not official, you know? Right. Right. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to pop it out. It's somewhere in the tape stacks. Awesome. Yeah. What a, what a great record. And yes, absolutely needed to make sure you got on here to discuss it as it was your idea. I would have so, been bummed. Well, it was the, I knew as you know, we, we, just the way schedules land, I knew that we had to make it happen one way or another, and I'm glad we did. Really cool CD. Great to start off the month. And we will now jump over to the Patreon and discuss the actual Anana. So head on over there and listen to Anana Storm 1 through 3. You have been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 20 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.